Hello and welcome to the ANA Marketing Futures Podcast, a member of the ANA Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mike Burbridge. Before today's guest even graduated from university, his career was inextricably linked to the intangible value of a brand. And we're not just talking logos and mascots here. Eric Joachim Staller is the founder and CEO of Vivaldi and author of a new book called The Interaction Field. In it, he discusses the true and tangible value of brands, the potential for digital business models that go beyond delivering great products and services to truly providing solutions for problems faced by society, not the market. Let's go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, in the Marketing Futures podcast virtual studio, I am so happy to welcome Eric Joachim Staller, the founder and CEO of Vivaldi. Eric, welcome to the Marketing Futures podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much. And I am very excited to be here. Oh, this is going to be a fun one. This is going to be a fun one. Spoiler alert to everybody listening. Um, but before we jump in, uh, and we've got a lot to talk about, um, let's just set a baseline for our listeners. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you, uh, you know, came to found Vivaldi way back in 1999. 1999, long, long time ago. Indeed. And we are still kicking alive. I love it. <laughs> um, I, um, I was an academic, uh, uh, various business schools here also in Europe. And there was this time where branding was all about logos and communications. And I felt that if we really wanted to, to, to think of brand in a proper way, we need to look at it from a strategic lens. Uh, much more as a business, as an asset. And during the 90s, I developed some work. I wrote it in the Harvard Business Review. I wrote a book called Brand Leadership with, with a professor, David Arker. And, and I said, look, if, if you're living in New York, if you can, if you can make it in here, you can make it anywhere. So this is New York. It's a well-known <laughs> fact. That's a well-known fact. So I started with Aldi. I said, leave this <laughs> academic aside and Get a real job. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So uh, as you just said, um, right from the very beginning of your career, uh, this idea about the tangible versus the intangible value of brands, and not just value, like monetary, actual, on-the-books value of brands. Um, what have you seen change in that space uh, since your career began? That, that is a really good question because I, I, you know, looking in hindsight, I go like, damn, I was right <laughs> with something back then. <laughs> I'm oftentimes not that right, but there was, I was right. Back in the 80s, there was sort of the, the intangible asset value of a firm like GE or ExxonMobil was about 10, 15% uh, or 17%. Mm-hmm. And the biggest part of that was goodwill, reputation and brand and and then in in the 90s i realized that hell this this number is changing to 36 percent or 34 percent something in the 30s it has doubled from the previous year so Mm -hmm. i said there must be something there and around that time there was this idea of brand equity emerging and the brand equity is a monetary value of a brand so not attributes in terms of perceptions, but a dollar and cents value that in some countries you can, can put on the books. And I said, if you can put that intangible asset value on the book, 
then brand becomes important. It becomes a C-level conversation. And I want to be at the C-level. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, how, that's how I got there. And I said, like, look, if this keeps growing, that is what happens. So to your question, Michael, what has changed is today, 2020, 2020, 2021, we have 90% of the, of the value of an S&P 500 company is 90% is now that intangible asset value. That's it's incredible. Huge. That is incredible. And so not only did did the, the, you know, uh, ratio flip turn itself on its head, um, but we had a a pre-conversation to just kind of get to know each other a little bit better. And you explained that this idea of that affinity, that reputation, the maybe the subconscious thing you get when you see the arches or the swoosh, that's not really the bulk of today's intangible brand that's, value, that's right? exactly right you know that brand is still important and i think mm-hmm. we but we miss a point when we think that brand is just about uh, affinity and a recognition and awareness and and now they call it fame around here um uh, somehow and and i think i think that's still very important but i think what happens is that large part of the intangible asset value now has to do with data with software, and I would like to say new business, new digital business models. But, but if we combine, if we think as marketer beyond just brand and look at brand as a powerful basis to connect with consumers, and then look beyond that into these into data, analytics, technologies, I think there, there is the answer to capture a large part of that intangible asset value and how we can create value. And I think that's so pivotally important for marketers because getting a seat at the C-suite, getting the C-suite's ear has been the point from the beginning. And a lot of times people have gone away from brand because the way they think about it is mushy and it's feel good. And you can only get so far with a CFO with mushy feel good. So they go to performance marketing and they just tripled, quadruple and all down. But it's, there's something in between. There's a massive opportunity and brand yes yeah it it's called right now the lost decade and the lost decade is for the last 10 years Mm. we thought tracking and digital marketing gets us there to be more credible with 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 more more more, uh, accountable let's say and Mm. i think that was the wrong path we know that now and and unfortunately that that is now the the news uh, in the years and you saw last week uh, apple is changing uh, the cookies and uh, yep. and so does google and i think that this is the right direction and 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 i think that we we have done what we could and and we had we had a, a vision but i think the answer lies the answer lies is is think to beyond way beyond marketing and branding and link our work in branding with those new digital business models, because they, in my opinion, are a new way of creating brands, actually, and also powerful new businesses. Now, you stated that there are three types of digital business models, kind of basically that you've seen out in the world. Can you uh, explain that to our listeners? Yes. I... I look at three business models. You know, one is a very simple one. Think of, think of, uh, 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 you have a regular customer relationship, and you you use a digital technologies, any various kinds, all from e-commerce to to uh, other ways to connect 
and you create an interface that that helps you to to get a one-on-one -on -one relationship at scale and good example is this is domino's pizza you know domino's value proposition always has been uh, uh about 30 minutes pizza or or you get it for free if you remember my mm -hmm. my college oh, yes. days i remember the good deal of getting the pizza oh yeah <laughs> i always felt bad when the guy showed up it's like listen it's but late that, that pizza's mine that pizza's mine there we go <laughs> that's that now now they use mobile phone they use uh, gps tracking they use data they collect data on you and and make that incredible more powerful propositions there is sort of in a way an, a, an interaction and the basis of this business digital business models is interactions so that's one model i call it the digital interface model and every marketer can sort of build on that now the way you do that as a marketer is you need to build relationships with some other c-level uh, people in the organization but you as a marketer are in the driver's seat because you connect with the customer you are the voice of the customer inside the organization and so so i think it gives us marketers a, a, a powerful position to start with the second model i let's let's make it a simple example airbnb because mm -hmm. i say airbnb because last year they became a hundred billion dollar brand <laughs> or company if you will right in the pandemic in the travel business and so there's a lot to come for them and and that's sort of where you sort of like say i don't own i i'm creating a marketplace a matching right. marketplace in this case you could be a hotel and then you can add a matching marketplace or you could be airbnb and only do match, uh, matching travelers with riders it's a big branding issue because on one side you need to brand that you need to brand the, the, to the consumer, the traveler, and say, hey, it's okay to stay in a stranger's apartment <laughs> you know, <laughs> when you travel New York. And on the other side, you need to market to the hosts, like me yeah. who have an apartment here, and say, like, hey, it's okay if some stranger walk in here <laughs> late in the night. They're, they're <laughs> your guests. Oh. <laughs> that is, I never stopped to think about how incredible a feat that was in this city. Like, it is. In. It is so beautiful. Look, there is, yeah. it is co a collaborative or collective consumption, a, mm -hmm. a new trend that we didn't think 10 years ago, and now we see it in many other areas. But, you know, for the, for the marketer, this is an opportunity not only to, 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 to create two brands on each side of the marketplace, but it's also a way to, to help innovate around that because you need insurance, you need cleaning services. You can actually make money out of your brand value proposition for, for the client. So that's why it gets so good and why you get credibility as a marketer in the C-suite. The, the third model, and I'm most excited about that, I wrote a book about that, <laughs> and it's the title of the book. It's called The Interaction Field Model. And that one goes, it's almost like a platform of a platform of an ecosystem. It's, it's the future. Uh, and that's why I won an award for the book among business theory, actually. Nice, 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 <laughs> uh, only nice. the bronze, only the bronze. So, but I standing on the- God, the fix the is in. I don't know who got gold and silver, but I know- There we go. You know, and you know, Nike payoff. used to say, you don't win silver, you lose gold. So what am I saying now? <laughs> I am in the bronze level, so this is the loser. Um, but but in the action field models, and, and, and a good example might be John Deere, or, or I, I like AND, which is AND, is the, the most valuable 
fintech company in the world in China that that only at its core is like a pay a PayPal type system where mm-hmm, you make mm-hmm. transaction you can make payments with your mobile phone but but it creates many many new brands it actually drives a new lending brand a healthcare uh, uh, insurance brand a mutual fund brand so it's not like Airbnb where you only have an interaction between travelers and 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 hosts and you keep the data and the interactions. The, uh, the end example is, is an interaction field where it, it spans off many, many new brands. So from a branding perspective, this is really powerful. You as a, as a CMO, you are in the driver's seat of value creation. It's the most, it's more valuable, this company, than all fintech companies combined in the United States of America. So it's a real big record. Tesla has done it now. Mm-hmm. John Deere is on the way. In the book, uh, in the book I have to describe these examples. Yeah, and I mean, that is, uh, well, it, it's just a lot to take in. Because- yeah. You know, I'm trying to get like, you know, if the if the second model is building your own marketplace, this is almost like uh, building your own economy, building your own society. Oh, it is like, so important because, you know, like think of John Deere. John Deere used to say, used to say, we have the best tractors, you know, they're, mm-hmm. gr- they're green and yellow. You recognize, you know, anything that has my name on it, it's going to be the best. Gotta tractor. be good. Yeah. And, and they have done so, but and they have great brand. But now, you know what happens is you make, a, you, you, they change the model and they say now, instead of selling tractors, we help, we help those close to the land, farmers. And that means improving farm productivity, profitability. And in order to do that, you can't do that by more precisely mowing with a better tractor. You can do that by sharing data, by enabling, for example, sharing data and interactions, farmers with other farmers that help each other, sort of a farm community. Uh, look, this is my experience, this is your experience. How do you plant when you, when you harvest, things like that. And on the other side, you can organize, and John Deere does it, organize fertilizers, crop producers, and all of those, and optimize the health of the plant and the growth of the plant, and ultimately the farm. So there is the productivity increases that come from using data, using interaction, getting farmers actively involved in this value creation is incredibly powerful. It, 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 it beats any, any technology that you just throw on, on, on a tractor. So, so that's, that's the power. The whole, the whole, it's in a way, John Deere changes as a company where the tractor becomes a, a powerful product but the value creation is in the interaction field, in creating those interactions with everybody involved. So, so when you are when you are a brand marketer, you don't only have farmers as customers, you also have crop manufacturers, you have ag tech companies that produce software for, for, the, for the farmers, you have um, fertilizer companies, you have you 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 enable almost like you know, you, I love what you said, you enable an economy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why we all live in the Amazon economy. In, in yeah. <laughs> you My know, goodness. very soon. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that is just, and you know, what's really, um, really neat to me is that when you start actually addressing real problems and addressing it holistically, yeah. 
it goes full circle and that's what emotional resonance is today it's not a good ad it's like it could be a good ad for 10 seconds but patagonia's emotional resonancy today because they're taking the whole thing the non the non-profitable parts the profitable parts and actually speaking to holistic like i think a lot of automobile companies have been moving towards mobility like yes. let's stop trying to make the market let's look at the world yeah. and try to be part of the world yeah you know yeah. and i don't i don't want it to sound too like you know hippie tree hugging thing because yeah. this is actually also yeah. the smartest business model you can go forward with yeah they, they are growing like crazy but look we have gone for the last 20 30 so so years we have we have we have built brands and then we have optimized how we connect with consumers how we communicate we emotionalized messages we we we, we use digital marketing for the last 10 years to to connect with consumers uh in a, on a on a better way and and, and hopefully to, to to create some conversion and accountability but that was that whole thing assumed that, that we are the producers, we create the brand, the ultimate driving machine, let's say for mm -hmm. BMW, and the consumer is on the other side and, and, and is the recipient of our messages, of our products, and in exchange, we get a price. What is now changing is that the, in this model, this is called the, 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 the traditional model, the, the, the third industrial revolution. We are, right, we are right. now in a new world where everything connects, where the number one, change over the years isn't about this technology or that technology is hyper connectivity and we need as marketers we need to say how am i leveraging that how am i finding out because hyper connectivity means i can i can connect everything i can solve problems that i ne that i never thought can actually achieve so so as a marketer instead of just saying okay how i uh, how i'm going to sell this car over that car and, and look for a consumer insight you, you now need to think about what are all the challenges and problems that we can solve and then build in what I call an interaction field model. So, so it's, a, it's branding and marketing becomes a central piece in, 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 in thinking about what problems a company should address and what is the roadmap for the future for a business. So we obviously covered a lot of uh, the subjects that are in the interaction field. And I would encourage everybody to go to their favorite, uh, you know, bookstore, e ecosystem bookstore, however that is for you, whether it's the bookstore on the corner or the bookstore. Buy the book, house. buy the book. I, I get $3 <laughs> per royalty. So, so I, two, two right, books listeners. per day, I can buy a lunch. Uh, breakfast in new york where are you going <laughs> it's a it's a local place here <laughs> okay fine fine what are some key things that you hope marketers will take away from reading the interaction field yeah see i i think for me the the, the biggest thing is that i think we live in a world today where consumers are willing to be participants in a relationship much more than because we are now connected. You know, the Domino's examples. I, I'm, I give all my information about my purchases to Domino's. It makes my life a lot more convenient. Uh, Alexa, get me a pizza. 
you see, it's on the way. You, you know, they already, it's already, it's going now with the oven. I was about to say, if you need to go cancel that, that's fine. Yes. Oh, Alexa, cancel. <laughs> Thank you. Otherwise, at the end of the show, I have the pizza Ding delivered. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And, uh, and, um, and so, so it, it, there is an, I think that this is what happens that consumers like to exchange, well, also exchange with others. And, uh, and we need to take, uh, we, we can take, um, uh, advantage of that uh, and, and uh, to build brands. So branding in the old days where you push a message, communicate, uh, create an experience in some ways and then measure uh, your, your likes or on social or your perception changes or the, how much awareness you created. I think that goes, that, that still is important, but mm -hmm. I think now we need to measure ourselves in what I call the interaction velocity. How, what's the quality mm. and the frequency I will, with which the consumers interact with me? Mm. And that, therein lies the new business models. It's, you know, the most important thing that I've discovered is it's not about the technology anymore because that one is available. Mm. What it is, is for us as marketers to configure, what do we want to solve for? What is the values we can create for consumers and maybe other stakeholders. And I think we need to reimagine this in this new world. You know, like think of, and it's happening. You think of the car companies. You know, everybody talks now about mobility. Are we really, are we really trying to buy, still about just buying a car? You know, a car yeah. is essential, but I think you're solving, you're trying to solve for a bigger question, namely mobility as an example. Mm -hmm. That's sort of the nature of the book. Yeah, that's amazing. So this is going to be a little out of, of left field. It just kind of yep. occurred to me as we were talking um, yep. that I know that it isn't, that technology isn't the thing that's going to let you win or lose, but mm -hmm. it obviously, yep. you know, has its place there. The platforms kind of what you yep. do with them, but they need to be there. So prior to 4G, something like mm -hmm. Uber or Airbnb wasn't possible. It just wasn't. There just wasn't the bandwidth. There yep. wasn't the speed. There wasn't yep. the scale. Yep. It just wasn't yep. possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was difficult. We are now on the verge of five G mass adoption. Yes. Um, do you have any kind of? And obviously, we're all kind of just waiting to see once it's established what could happen because that was a thing. Nobody had Uber as a business model before 4G was a thing just sitting in their back pocket. Like, well, gee, I yeah. hope this, you know, it was something we didn't know we yeah. didn't have. Um, yeah. Do you have any feelings or, you know, prognostications on where 5G might allow uh, digital business models to go next? Yes. You know, I think that, um, I think that what happens is that um, what will, what, what is, what's going to happen is that that what I've seen at least is, you know, there was, there was an evolution of connecti connectivity over the years. Earlier when it was Jeff Bezos, e-commerce, then there was uh, Google, then there was social media type things. But what happens is today is, is a lot of the technologies converge at the same time. Machine learning, uh, AI, um, and so forth and so forth. And 5G will, will is basically a, a, a technology that, that, that almost like accelerates or potentiates these technologies together. So mm -hmm. what will happen, I think, is, is that in the future, we will, right now, <clears throat> if I want to make a payment, I go on Venmo and I go on, uh, um, 
or when I do something with my bank, I go to Chase or Bank of America or something like that. I have to go on the app and then make a payment or something. Um, I think in the future, we will live. Technology, this uh, 5G will allow us to almost live <clears throat> constantly in a particular world. So, mm. so, so, so I, you don't go on, a, on, that, on, the, on the thing. You're always on that, uh, that payment solution, pay, payment platform. And with that, you, you, you do everything that you need to do in your life. You can transact over that. So it's a, we live almost in virtual worlds. I may have a different one for travel and a different one for my, for, for maybe for my health or something like that. But I think we will, we will live, we will live much more in, in a, in a, in a always connected world or hyper connected world, I think, rather than sort of like having to worry about passwords and all of those things. So. Got you. Got you. Yeah. So just a seamless existence. Online seamless where existence yeah. that's very and offline and so forth. So I think that this is where it's going. So, so it's 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 an exciting future because it yeah. it, um, it it just is. Um, this is how you capture those ninety percent that that I'm talking about. That's I think exactly that, right. And we're seeing that happening now. Yeah. So see, you know, Michael, what the biggest thing that 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 happens when in in this new world is is that is that we as consumers are changing uh, mm -hmm. significantly because what happens is, you know, technology from through technology and the connectivity. We learn a lot. We live our lives in those worlds. And what happens is that changes our expectations. You know, like, like uh, for example, Amazon is a good example. Amazon changed uh, the expectations that, that consumers have on delivery. It used to be, okay, if I, if I order something online, I get it in two weeks. And Amazon, no, you can get it in one week. Then Amazon says, oh, no, you can get it in two days now for free then and then one day for free and now they say you can have it within the hour your groceries and so and so i go like okay i get from amazon my groceries over one hour why do i have to work wait for a week to get the nike things and mm -hmm. on and on and on yeah. so so i think that sort of changes what i call the the the, the 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 consumer contract in fact you know i call it there's a there's the consumer has a different demand and we as marketers need to really figure out what is it that we need to deliver in order sort of to live to live in this new world and that value exchange so that's yeah i love that uh the way yeah. that way of putting it because yeah it's so far beyond a relationship now that yeah. it is it's these kind of non-negotiable exactly yeah so you know, hypothetically, I'm at a brand that was founded in the 1900s and 1920s. I, you know, the industrial revolution, I own the production, I own the market share. What advice do you have for brands like that who want to enter into this new consumer contract, who want to create an interaction field, but obviously you know, you don't want to take a fortune 500 and bet, bet everything on red. Yeah. And, and, you know, uh, let's go to, uh, I am from Germany. I love Denmark. Let's go to a very rural town called Billund. It's not Copenhagen. It's somewhere in the middle of nowhere. They're quite backward there. Let's say there's, <laughs> and they're considered to be, there's only one company known there. There's one hotel there. Uh, and one company known there, and that company is called Lego. And, and that company is not, 
are, are 500, uh, 100 years old, but they are 50 years old or something. Mm-hmm. And it's a family business, right? Sort of in this little town, sleepy town of Billund, with, <laughs> with one airport, is, with, uh, with one, one, grocery, one store there that's called the Lego store. <laughs> so, so um, and, and, and what happens is that this company was built on, on one thing, the brick, right? Yeah. A brick. Um, and, and what happens is the beauty of the, and, and, and if you look at the company today, they had some ups and downs like everyone. They had very, very difficulties. They went almost bankrupt in 2004. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, 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 at the time, they, they have come back from that. And, and, but if you look today, it's, it's, they are more profitable than any other company in the toy industry. In fact, yeah. if you take the two largest American companies, Mattel and Hasbro, Lego is more profitable on the Lego block than Mattel and, and Hasbro combined. But how did they do that? So the, the, the key is I work with, I, I work with a, a few people there, Lars Silverbauer is one of them. Um, the key is that, um, that you actually can experiment with these new digital business models. And mm-hmm. they did experiment. And here's an example. They created something called Lego Ideas. And that is the following, works the following. Um, they realized that what, what really helps a child to develop and grow is the free play and, and free play, creative play, imaginative play, not the shooting game like Fortnite, you know? Right, like right, not right. the video games like the, the digital video games that we see or, or spending time on TikTok, but the creative part um, that, that a child tries to figure out themselves, creating a coffee cup or creating... Uh, uh, recreating with Lego blocks an iPhone or something like mm-hmm. that, the looks of an <laughs> iPhone. The second part is that it's shared play, namely when an adult uh, works with a child because they learn better, they bond, there's a social component that's important. So what they did is, is they created something that's called the Lego Ideas. You can, you can decide with your dad or your mom to, uh, to, to use existing Lego blocks and to create, let's, so, let's assume I, I create an iPhone lookalike, right? That I make a picture of this, I submit this on Lego Ideas on their website, and then I need to promote it, my friends and family. If I get 10,000 votes for that cool idea, Lego makes a decision of yes or no, whether to actually produce that iPhone as a That's Lego really set. Cool. And you get make some real nice money. But, but here's why this is so important. This is, it's, it, in this case, the relationship is no longer, the exchange is no longer one of, uh, I buy a Lego sets, I play, thank you very much. It's not about the block. It's about, it's about the, the free play. Mm-hmm. It's about learning. It's about creativity. And by, by encouraging, by encouraging the, the, the child to do that, it basically lifts also the Lego brand values. The, the, the joy of building, that's how we called it. We worked on the brand strategy with them and that's the pride awesome. of creation, the pride of creation. So when mm. I put that up on the website, I will call all my, all my friends. Hey, my son, my, my daughter, we yeah. did this in the pandemic. Look at this. Please give us a vote. So it's the pride of creation on social digital means. So, so I, the contract I have now with Lego is no longer just as buy another Lego set for Christmas and, 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 and the birthdays. No, it is actually they're enabling me to, to have enjoyment in my life. And I think it helps 
it helps the motivation of my children to get off the iPhone in the first yeah. place. Yeah. I mean, the Lego story is just incredible. Yeah. And that's so awesome that you've yeah. been working with them on yeah, it because yeah. that is I'm like, so glad, yeah. because you can see, you know, in 2004, in the, the late 90s, it's a brick. It's a brick and we can license it out if we want, but it's brick. Now, here's and, the thing. Yeah. It's, this is a trademark that doesn't have a, a product that doesn't have a trademark. Anybody could copy the Lego sets. And despite the fact that it has no longer, they lost the patent years ago uh, after sort of a, the, the, the maturation, the expiration. And it, there are so many competitors. It's what it, the essential of it, you can't, you can't copy actually. Yeah. I and mean, that is the, brand in yeah, the purest. That's brand in the purest sense. Yeah. That's just awesome. See, I think that Michael, that, that's sort of what we need to recognize as marketers that, that there is a lot of discussion about digital transformation. And yes, as marketers, digital transformation happens somewhere else, you know, that mm -hmm. they bring in large consulting companies, the CEO, the CIO, and the chief technology officer, they drive the whole company crazy and things like that. <laughs> but that's not the essence of it. We as marketers, we are at the core of the business, that namely the relationship with the customer. And we have these tools now, the digital tools, where we can experiment with creating these new connections, creating new value uh, for, for consumers that goes way beyond just buying a, 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 an emotional connection with a, with a particular league. Hey, if you're a marketer and you're not pumped up, if you're not like ready to run through a wall right now, you need to listen to this episode again because the future's here and it's actually a lot more fun than, you know, hanging all of your uh, bets on performance marketing because brand is too wishy-washy of an idea. Let's change that whole thinking up. Yeah. Um, so Eric, uh, I'm going to uh, pivot a little bit here to yeah. a question that we, we ask all of our guests. We like to kind of have a baseline, a consensus. And I just think that the more smart people who share their thoughts about this, the better. Uh, so um, kind of open-ended, what are your thoughts on diversity and inclusion? I'm uh, um, just working on a brand right now. Uh, it's, a, it's a brand called Wild Fang uh, in, from Portland. And I was looking at the trends. Um, and, and this brand has, has thought about diversity and inclusion back already in, in eight years ago when they started. Mm -hmm. And it's an incredibly beautiful fashion brand to me and um, um, started by two founding women from Nike um, who felt like there was a big need around this. And what I think is that, you know, the, uh, the, the diversity and inclusion is, is, is I, it's sort of, I'm sort of a bit disappointed about, about myself because I didn't see it eight years ago as much as, as uh, uh, Emma is one of the, the, the founders uh, as she did it. And, and so it wasn't what I really like about the brand. It's a, it's a, a very interesting brand that has developed um, and that, that they had a foresight and were able not only to say, yeah, this is important to me, but they were able to push an agenda, a larger agenda about, about diversity and inclusion. So that's one, one way answer to the question. So I'm, I, I really believe that brands are uh, uh, not just sort of like leaning on it, but actually make this a core belief system, I think is really powerful. And, and, and they are, this, this, uh, this company works in the, 
in the casual apparel, very competitive, hyper-competitive market and are successful with it. Other thing I have to say as owner of, of the company, we are blessed in our business. We have a, we, there's a large workforce in Vivaldi that is, um, that is, uh, is very inclusive and, and, and diversity. I'm, a, I'm an immigrant myself and, and uh, uh, sort of from, mm. come from another world. And, but what I find is, is if you find it extremely hard um, for in the recruiting process to drive the, the diversity and inclusion because large companies can swoop up and can sort of do whatever they want to do with. I find it an incredible leadership challenge, especially for smaller mm. businesses. Um, and so we are a little bit more on a, on a positive side, but I can see how uh, agencies and other uh, marketers that help, it, it, that it becomes an incredibly difficult uh, um, a challenge, you know, to, 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 to manage a business. Yeah. It's real. Like, you know, do, do like direct investment, real focus. Um, and I think a lot of that is because we're making up for ground lost in a very non-inclusive world for so long that, yeah, I think that, you know, it's no, no obviously no individual's fault, but like we were going, I think we are still in the course correction uh, of our industry so I can yeah that's very yeah. much like I think that the most important piece to me is is that you know that um, like like many of the things like sustainability sometimes in in over the 20 30 years I've seen them come and go but mm -hmm. I, I think that um, it's almost like a trend it's sort of like and then they, then the, that sort of the media puts the attention on something else Right. But I think that the beautiful thing where we are with diversity and inclusion and, and some of some other social issues, it's not the only one, um, is that it now stays in the forefront because in the past it was controlled more sort of with a media sort of like a, a, a sort of environment. But now because consumers are much more engaged in the conversation, I think now it has sort of like gone, it's almost like a tipping point if you wanted to use uh, um, that word, but that where it sort of stays in the forefront of people. And I think, so it, it, it doesn't become anymore it's just sort of a uh, uh, something that I must have. It's something that becomes part of your culture, part of your belief system. And I think that's the change that we needed to see. Uh, excellently said, really well said. All right, Eric, fun time's over. We're getting to the serious business here at the Marketing Futures Podcast. Are you ready? Yes. All right. Eric, Eric Joachim Staller, Vivaldi CEO. What is your favorite album of all time and why? Oh. Uh, yeah. Uh, we don't play I around am, here. No, no, no. I, I was born in different worlds. For me, it's uh, uh, Stairways to Heaven. You know. Hey, that's not, that's a, hey, that's, <laughs> Led Zeppelin comes across yeah. it every language my friend it is so good because it it reminds me of obviously the time when i was in germany and uh, mm -hmm. and it's sort of we we've, we've been just uh, uh we lived in a, in a beautiful time and grew up in a beautiful time and uh our uh, you know going to you know sharing on our on our uh, the, the the vinyl on, on after after school work every afternoon so it's uh, i think we lived the, the perfect time there that's beautiful. Yeah, I mean, so many, and it's and it's very understandable. So many favorite albums have favorite memories connected to them, and yeah. it's what it's beautiful. It's like you know yeah. you can really get those memories back really quickly if you put the yeah. right forty-five on. Yeah, 
Yeah, isn't it? Isn't it how beautiful that is? You know that. Yeah. You could almost you you sort of mention that word or that that album or that song. You you only have to listen a few seconds, and what happens? It tr happens is it transports you. Mm -hmm. It takes all of that lo long term memory that you have stored there, puts it in short term memory right in front of your frontal lobe there, and you are almost transported. You're almost there. You almost you're the same person. You know, 40 years later, you're yeah. still you're you're still 14 years old or 15, and you know, admiring those those bands who are just two three years older than you. And anyway, ah oh, man, <laughs> Whew. yeah, you just brought me back. So yeah, oh, there that's, I'm a hundred percent. So <laughs> let us let's bring it to the to the the present. Uh, is there an artist? Is there a song? Is there a podcast? What are you listening to? Or maybe a book? The, the, I have a great book that I'm reading. This is really fascinates me, and and it's um it's it's uh oh there's an in the action field book here, but the, oh hey, <laughs> there we go. No, the book I'm reading is is by um, uh, love this one by Jen it's it's about Jennifer Dudner, mm. and she has done the book is written by a perfect perfect writer Walter Isaacson, and the book is about um, the, the, uh, the, the, it's called The Codebreaker, and it's about gene editing. It's about CRISPR oh, wow. uh, technology. And, and it's just, um, it's just uh, in the future of the human race. Uh, I find it so fascinating because, you know, I, I always, it makes me feel so small because uh, this Jennifer Dudner, she has researched this. It, you know, we do marketing people, we build brands, we drive companies uh, for new growth and things like that. But, but what she has been able to do in her, in her life is she was at the right time and, and it allows to, uh, to, through CRISPR technology to edit gene sequences. And that allows you to, to, to make sure that somebody who maybe has a propensity toward cancer or has a propensity toward heart failure in later age, to correct it even in the at the embryo level that's awesome so now you've got you've got two uh must pick up book recommendations from one episode we've got the interaction feeling we've got the code breaker um <laughs> make it a double header this upcoming weekend it'll take a few weekends to read those <laughs> <laughs> these are your summer reads these are your summer tag team reads yes Eric, uh, if people want to get in touch with Vivaldi, if people want to see what else you're doing, how do we how do we reach you? What's up? Uh, what's next and new for Vivaldi? Yeah, Vivaldi. The um, um, so so we are here in New York City uh, in the Flatiron uh, district, uh, and we've been. I started the company here, but we're in nine different countries. But it's very easy to find Vivaldi, VivaldiGroup.com. Uh, so Vivaldi, like the musician, and there's a website my assistant has done for me. It's called www.erichjochimsthaler.com. My problem is nobody can find it because nobody can spell my last first and last name correctly. <laughs> I but, have actually, and now I've realized I've been slaughtering the pronunciation, so I apologize. It's okay, that's okay. Even in Germany, that's the secret. Even the Germans don't know how to pronounce it properly. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> so, so we are good here in the US. But I think it's it. Um, yeah, there's sort of material there. I, I I'm on LinkedIn a lot, so mm -hmm. and I I sort of post about what happens at the company when my latest latest singing. Uh, so that's me. Eric, thank you so, so much uh, for spending some time with us today. This was an incredible conversation. Thank you so much yeah. for being a guest on the Marketing Futures Podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Marketing Futures Podcast. Have an idea for a topic or guest for a future episode? Shoot us a note at marketingfutures at ana.net. Be sure to subscribe to the Futures Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. And as always, if you're looking to get smart on the future, point your browsers to ana.net slash futures.